0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast. I think a lot of people have at one point thought to themselves, I could probably live with less. I could shop less. I could buy less. I could save more. I could simplify my life. But my next guest did exactly that on a level, I think... That is far beyond what many of us would imagine. My guest is Kate Flanders, author of The Year of Less, How I Stopped Shopping, Gave Away My Belongings, and Discovered Life is Worth More Than Anything You Can Buy in a Store. Kate, thank you so much for being with us. No, thank you for having me. Uh, This has been uh, going on for quite some time with you as far as uh, cutting back, uh, trying not to, to shop as much. Do you remember the first time or at what point you first decided that you were going to go uh, down, going to take this route?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it it was a very vivid conversation, so um, I will start by saying, like, uh, it's so far it's been, like, the most common misconception about the story is that I did this to get out of debt, Um, but I was actually already debt-free at this point. I had paid off um, and, and documented quite publicly just paying off my debt in 2013, And, uh, the problem was that I think I was so aggressive in my approach that I didn't really take the time to learn the lessons of why I had gotten into debt in the first place. And so I basically went back to spending all my money. Um, so I didn't, I didn't go into debt again, but I was basically just spending everything. And I was constantly justifying why it was okay that I was like only saving maybe 5% of my income. Um, and then I had this conversation with my family where we were kind of just kind of teasing my sister. She was only, um, 20 years old, a full-time university student who was working part-time and we're kind of teasing her about how she had made a a large purchase and we're like, you know, you should be saving your money. You're in school. And, and, uh, she just like her rebuttal that she delivered to us was, uh, yeah, but I already saved 20% of my income so I can do whatever I want with the rest. (laughs) And I was like, wait. Like, how is my 20-year-old sister already doing this um, on a part-time income? And why am I justifying, like, how am I not saving 20%? Like, when I was paying off my debt, again, it was too aggressive and, like, not sustainable for me. But there were months where I was putting up to 55% of my income towards debt repayment. So, I was like, there has to be another way. Like, I I do not need to be spending all my money. And so it sort of started, like, turning in my head from there.
0: Uh, interesting when you say that about your sister, and I read that that part of the book where she had that comeback, which I thought was uh, it made me laugh a bit. That she had that ready to go and say, "Wait, I'm already doing this." Uh, you talk a bit too about uh, how when you first uh, opened a bank account uh, when you were nine, how your father uh, would leave articles for you about uh, finances and such. Do you think uh, the you and both you and your sister was that a big influence? Uh, your parents and and was your attitude towards money uh, really kind? Of molded because of that,
1: I do think so. I think like looking back, yes, I was going to make some financial mistakes, and I think, I mean, my sister, we're we're not perfect with our finances, but I think the fact that our parents always talk to us about money was very. um, It's just one of the things. Like when you talk to your kids about anything that you think that um, would be good or bad for them, it, it does get instilled in you. So we've always had an interest in personal finance, and I think that's just because it's always been a topic of conversation. Like. My parents would tell me things like, you know, how much they bought the house for, um, how much the mortgage was, how much they earned, uh, how much things cost. Like I'd never looked at their bank accounts per se, but like I knew the numbers uh, of all the, the big things in life. So it was, I don't know, I, if I ever have kids, I would definitely want to do the same because it just shows like I know money can be very taboo, but it's always just been an open discussion for us.
0: And so the moment, and, and you you said you were already out of debt, but the moment you decided to go on this uh, shopping fast or spending fast, was there was there one particular thing that happened that, that launched you into that as well?
1: Um, I, it's one of those things, like, I wish I could just say, like, yes, it was one specific number or whatever. I think truly, though, it was that every single month for like a year... I would you know write my budget and then get to the end of the month and realize I wasn't happy with the numbers and you just have that feeling of like I I can do better like why am I doing this? I don't feel good about my numbers uh, I'm not moving in the direction like I want my financial life to be going I'm not reaching any of my goals um, and I think so slowly like because I was I was very aware of my numbers I think tracking my spending and and then budgeting was super important but It's just one of those things, like, you think it so many times, and then one day you're just like, enough is enough. Like, it is, now is it. I just can't keep
0: doing this. You write about telling your friends, uh, being on a hike in Whistler, and telling your friends you were going to stop shopping for something uh, six months up to a year. And uh, what was their reaction?
1: You know, I think that my friends are pretty used to me, like, coming up with um, ideas like this. Like, for 2018, I canceled my Netflix account. My friends are just like, oh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Because I do, um, I just like experimenting, like, and just seeing what happens. But uh, they did have a lot of questions. And then throughout the year, I found even, like, everyone was very supportive, but I found that um, I was more shocked at how, like, culturally normal it is for us to talk about shopping to talk about the deals we're getting and um, how we got something on sale or which website we bought it from or whatever, like it's, it's probably, it was just way more normal than I realized. So I was very naive thinking like, oh, no one will care. This will not affect anything kind of in my social life. And then having a lot more conversations throughout the year where people, you know, maybe they're talking about a deal they got on something and then they would kind of look at me and be like, oh, you probably don't want to hear about this. (laughs) <laughs> um, which is the same way, like uh, when you're a vegetarian, people who eat meat like will sometimes make comments like that to you. Or um, I also don't drink. I quit drinking when I was 27, and you get comments like that too. So it's it's like whenever you're doing something that's kind of countercultural, like people do have something to say.
0: Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a big part. Or you write about that in the book. Uh, why did you quit drinking? Well, I mean, I just had to, I
1: mean, I had started drinking quite young and for all the wrong reasons. Like I, um, I still don't know that I identify like as an alcoholic per se, but I, I definitely used binge drinking as a form of, um, just something that would either pick me up from a bad day or week, um, to, you know, uh, just helping you through awkward social situations. Like it was just always this comfort for me. And at 27, I just got to the point like I had thought about it multiple times throughout my 20s that like at some point I, again, it's that, that thought like someday I will not be doing this anymore. Like I cannot do this forever. And yeah, 27 was finally the day that I was comfortable saying I'm done. And was it difficult? Yeah, I mean, it's been most difficult to get through those kinds of tough situations. And I write I about that in the book, too, because the book kind of documents this year of Like, yeah, I didn't shop, but I also went through some personal stuff and realized that I had, you know, when I couldn't reach for alcohol anymore, it's not that surprising that I probably then went to spending and then I couldn't do any of those things. And so for the first time, I actually had to like feel the hard feelings and do the work of just working through that rather than thinking I can use anything to sort of hope or pick me up or, um, like I hate all the stuff of like, treat yourself and things like that. Cause the messaging is just so like, yeah, I do think we should enjoy life and it's nice to find moments of happiness, but the, the things that we consume, it is so fleeting, like that happiness or that boost is so fleeting and it doesn't allow us to do any of the hard work. Um, so it was very difficult and, but I mean, now I'm five years sober and, uh, I would never, ever drink again. so. <laughs>
0: How did you how did you keep yourself online? Because this was a self imposed ban, be it the shopping ban, the drinking ban, the, these changes in your life. And how did you? Because it's not as though you would have been fined, or or you would have, you know, there was this this punishment if you yeah. didn't succeed. So how did you how did you keep going?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, a huge thing for me was accountability. So um, it helped that I like documented it very publicly on my blog um but I also just had you know a few friends well I mean my best friend Emma in particular who I just knew that whenever I was thinking of um going against the shopping ban or like making a purchase that I didn't need I could text Emma and I just knew too like with Emma she's someone that not only was she she will encourage me to make the good decision which I think is so important to identify I think like we all have the friends who will enable us to make the bad decision. Like if you tell your friend, like, I, I actually really want to do this. They'll be like, yeah, you know what? You've been doing great. Just <laughs> get it. Just buy the thing or just eat that food, skip the gym, whatever. But Emma's the kind of friend who would say like, no, like you don't actually want to do this. Uh, encourage me to make the good decision. Um, so having her was very important. And and yeah, just knowing I was going to be writing it on the blog. It was the same when I was getting out of debt. Like I – i wrote about that very publicly because it just gave me that extra bit of accountability of if i had to write down these numbers like i would have to tell people what those numbers were for um and so yeah it was it was very helpful to have people to stay accountable to
0: that uh, that makes sense uh on your list uh, the list when the the year-long shopping ban the the not allowed items uh, take out coffee clothes shoes accessories books magazines notebooks uh, household items and electronics Did you miss any of those? Um, I missed... Well, it's not even missed. I think
1: what I just realized was how many habits I had around two things. One was books and the other was takeout coffee. It was so... um, I don't know. Like It was so shocking to me how many times... Not even just a week, like in a day that I would think, oh, I'd I'd love to go downstairs and get a coffee or something. Um, And then to, yeah, to not be able to do that, you're realizing not only what your habit is, but then having to change your reaction. And it takes a long time to actually form a habit. You know, there's all kinds of, like, studies out there that say you can do it in, like, I don't even know, 21 days (laughs) or 6 or 12 weeks or whatever. And in a way, I'm like, I don't really believe any of those things. (laughs) I think that uh, when something is so ingrained in you, it takes a really long time to stop wanting to just reach for it. Um, and then books were hard because I was the kind of shopper who with books and stuff specifically, like things that weren't too expensive, like basically as soon as I heard of it, I would log into an online retailer immediately add it to a shopping cart. And then back then it was the, you know, um, once you hit $25, you get free shipping Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I would just do that. And like, you think that you're saving because you're not paying shipping, but you're still spending money. Um, and I would do that all the time. And so again, just realizing that I had all these habits and I could not carry on with them. So. It wasn't so much that I missed anything. I just I thought about those two things a lot. Uh,
0: but I guess people will hear this too. And the, the books one stuck out to me because, and I get what you're saying, and you can get swept into that and suddenly you've got all of these $25 plus shopping carts and you've spent way more money than you thought. Uh, but it seems so extreme to go from enjoying books and buying a book to having to not allowing yourself to do that at all. Um, so was there, I guess, was there no way to kind of have a happy medium in that maybe I can buy one book every three months or every six months or to, to buy things that still bring you enjoyment?
1: Uh, I think the thing was for me was that I realized, because at the same time I did this, I decluttered and got rid of a lot of things that I didn't use. And I think I had I had to realize that I used to buy a lot of, I'll call them now like aspirational purchases. Like there were a lot of things I was buying because I wanted to use them or read them one day, but I was never getting around to it. Mm. So buying things on impulse, like buy, I, I had at that time, like throughout decluttering, I took inventory of how many books I was keeping that I hadn't even read yet. And it was like 55. <laughs> so I didn't need to buy more books. Um, and I think that number was just very eye-opening for me. And so again, it was just like an awareness. Like I didn't need that. Um, I also just, Started taking advantage of the library a lot more like I was living in Port Moody at the time and I went and got a library card and I memorized that library card within like a month Um, like so I think that it wasn't the other thing for me too that I had to realize is like I don't value owning the book I value reading the book and those are very different things so I don't have to own it and have it in my home forever to get the value out of it.
0: All right. We're almost out of time. I won't keep you too too much longer. Uh, What's the one thing maybe you've learned from this? Uh, People are reading the book now. What do do you take away from this?
1: Uh, I mean, I think there were two things. One just being the learning how to buy for the real you versus kind of the ideal version of yourself. So not learning how to not make those aspirational purchases, like really learning how to buy something when you're actually going to use it. Um, that has been very important for me because now I'm like, I don't think buying stuff is bad or spending money is bad or anything, but it does feel so much better to buy something when you're actually going to start using it. Um, because the value in something is when you use it, it's not just in owning it or having it around. And I also think that we, we buy things just a little bit too early before we're actually ready to start using them. Um, and then the other one would be just along the lines of like, whenever you're maybe thinking of um, kind of doing something impulsively or binge consuming something that I mean, a lesson I've had to learn many times is that that usually means that something else is going on in your life. Um, and what we need to be doing instead is working on that rather than just reaching or binging on the thing that might be easiest. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune In, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW. 911? 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship! Ah, there was an explosion! Oh my god, the ship is sinking! I can't get out! There's water everywhere. Who's going down. I've got a lock on your location.
0: Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way.
1: Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 9-1-1 on a new night, Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.